0: What we're talking about as something that God has done, um, God ordained him. Uh, we as elders in the church we don't ordain people. Um, we recognize prayerfully what God has already accomplished, and and through that we recognize the ordination that that the Lord has done. And so this is a special day. It's a special day for us as a church, and um, a special day together to. to to um, add Pastor Scott Wilson to our our elder board, and as a pastor here to to serve you and to serve all of us, and so um, if you turn with me and your Bibles to um, the letter of Second Timothy chapter two, um, and preface it, we I will share from God's word, and then I'm going to be inviting. Pastor Scott to come up and to share from God's word and then we will um, we will close in song and then the elders will come forward and and, and pray for, for Pastor Scott. So that's the plan for this morning. Um, will, you, will you join me in prayer now? Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this, this day, Lord, that you have ordained, um, that you have set apart to be a day where Reverence Bible Church would recognize something that you have done in Pastor Scott Wilson, Lord, in, in ordaining him to be a pastor and elder here at our church. We thank you for just your grace upon our church. We thank you for all of the members that you have brought to our church to use the gifts that you have given them to, to be just such a blessing to all the rest of us. Each Member here, just vital to the health of the body, as they use the gifts that the Lord has given them. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the way in which Your Holy Spirit works in people's lives. You work, You work in them. You work through them. You call them to various positions within the church, and we especially thank you this, this morning for that position of, of pastor and elder. The calling in which you've placed upon pastors and elders to serve, to shepherd, to teach, to encourage, to pray, to, to guard and to warn. Um, Lord, we, we thank you for that. I pray that, that every part of this morning would be um, done in such a way that you're exalted, that you are central, Lord, and that we give you all the praise. We worship you this morning in Jesus' name, amen. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 15, Paul's speaking to Timothy, young Timothy, and he says to him in this text, 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth a calling upon this 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 man Timothy and a calling that would also go to anybody that is in that position of of being a pastor and being an elder within a church but a calling to him to be diligent to be diligent be di- diligent to present himself approved to God, um, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. The reason why he would say something like that is because it is possible for a pastor to conduct himself in such a way that he ought to be ashamed. In fact, I, I look around and I, I, I frequently see people who who hold the so-called office of pastor and elder in such a way that doctrinally they're in a place where they are not preaching proper doctrine at all. Um, they're leading sheep astray. I see, I see pastors and, and, and elders leading in such a way that um, it has become such that, that they are working and, and, and aligning themselves just right with culture rather than with what God says in his word. Here in the letters to Timothy, the Apostle Paul is exhorting Timothy in his calling as a pastor, and he's called to pastor in such a way that he's approved to God, not seeking the approval of man, not following the latest trends, not being consumer-driven, or having his ministry defined by culture, but Timothy was to respond to the perfect words, the inspired words of the Holy Spirit to give this pastor clarity for direction into this great call-in with which he's been called. Approved to God. And you, you find many different models today. Um, you, you find churches where they go to the local cities and they say, what are you looking for in a church? What are you looking for in a pastor? What are you looking for as far as what you want to see within a church? And people respond and they look at the culture and they look at all that's there and then they build a church around that. They look to see what, what works, what's the trends, what works, what's the thing for today? What's new? What's exciting? What is it that, that makes it so that people um, want to come to that church? And um, I, 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 as elders here at this church, we, we want people to feel welcome. We want you to learn. We want you to grow. We want you to treasure Christ above everything else. We want the gospel to go forward. We want to be making disciples. We want our kids raised up in the ways of the Lord. But brothers and sisters, we don't care what our city wants in a church. We don't care what our culture wants in a church. We don't care what people say today as far as this is what the church ought to be. All we care about is what does God Almighty say that a church is to be? What does God Almighty say that the pastor is to be? And what does God Almighty ordain and write in Scripture and say this is what the pastor is to do and what he is called to and how he should live and what should come forth out of his mouth and what is the message that should come forth? It's, it, is not about, it is not about bending to the trends of our culture. It is about preaching Christ and Him crucified and talking about sin and calling people towards holiness and calling people to depend upon Christ and having proper doctrine and going through and not making it so this is a a psychology time or anything that even hints at that, but to say, this is who our God is and this is what... He has said as far as who we are, and this is what he says in his word, and this is what we're called to proclaim. And as a pastor here within our church, we look and we say, what does God call a pastor to be? We find that in the letters of First and 2 Timothy and throughout Scripture. Um, as one of the pastors of Reverence Bible Church here, I, I want you to know that we as pastors and elders we we pour ourselves into serving you. Um, I know we do. I watch the elders who are around. We we pour ourselves into serving you. We're praying for you. We desire to minister to you. We desire to counsel you. We desire to encourage you in God's word. You'll never come to our church and have it be where you get charged for counseling we we are here to give biblical counseling what does god say about this there's so many times where someone comes and they come at a point where they're on the brink of just like we're done and i'm done and my question to them frequently is how long has it been like this and sometimes it's been years and years and years of this and my thought is why and it's not only my thought sometimes i'll say it but why didn't you come earlier Like Why didn't you come to where you could have been loved and encouraged and and exhorted and held accountable and challenged before you got to a place of just unraveling, where your family's unraveling, your marriage is unraveling, your life personally is just unraveling. Um, We desire to serve you. One of the greatest ways that, that we can do that, one of the greatest ways that I can do that personally is a study. Um, it's a study to be up here to, to teach. Um, you'll notice that if you plan something on a Saturday, I'm not there. I just tell you, you have disinvited me. Unless you're getting married, then I'll go. But during your wedding, I'm thinking about the sermon, so you know. <laughs> I typically don't go to something on Saturday because I'm just, my wife just blesses, she serves, she serves you. She serves you by letting me just have dozens and dozens of hours to spend in God's word, to be ready to come here and to teach you. But we desire to serve you. That this is not a position as far as the elders are up here and, and, and this is our position and everybody else is down here. We know in scripture that when it talks about us being the servants, we're the under rowers. We're like in a boat where we're at the bottom. We got those oars and we're just, we're the under rowers. It, it, it is not about us. If, if, if you say to me like, oh, I love your church. My response, I, I, sometimes I'm gracious because I'm like, okay, I know what they mean. But usually I'll, I'll say, it's not my church. It's our church. It's our church. I'm, I'm just, I'm a part, I'm, I'm an under rower. And I'll, and I'll do that. And, and, and I pray that God gives me energy to do this for all my days. It's just being there and just rowing along with the other elders as we serve you. Um, so we're to serve you. We've been called by God to do that. With all humility. Knowing that we're totally dependent upon God to shepherd the congregation here well. We desire to shepherd in a manner that's entirely biblical and that's also entirely Christ-centered. And so our text says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. I think about that all the time. As elders, we think about this all the time. I'll have people that come and say, like, I wish you did this, or I wish you did that, or there'd be so much better. The church would just explode if you would just do this. And I, I hear it, I hear it, I'm, I try to be teachable. But ultimately, we look and we say, like, but what does God say? Like, what does God say? We're gonna do what God says. It's not a new message, it's what is his message. Approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The calling to the pastor within the church is unlike any that of any other institution because the Lord is the one that is ordaining and he calls men to serve as pastors and elders. And we recognize that work that's taking place. There's qualifications that are given in Scripture for the pastor. Turn with me for a moment to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. says here 1st Timothy 3 1 this is a faithful saying if a man desires the position of a bishop or you can also find elder or pastor here um, he desires a good work a bishop then must be blameless the husband of one wife temperate sober-minded of good behavior hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up, with pride he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And so you find here within just this passage in First Timothy chapter three that there are qualifications of what it is to be a pastor. We live in a day where you can become an internet pastor overnight. Um, we live in a day where people are, you know, like, I'll have people come, like, I think I want to be a pastor, I think it would be such a cool job, I mean, I, you only have to work on Sundays, um, and um, if you think that, you're, you're wrong. Um, but where in their mind is, yeah, I think, you know, I think that would be a cool job. Um, and yet, it's a calling that comes from God, and there's specific qualifications that are here for that position. Um, not only does he give qualifications, does the Lord give qualifications for the position of pastor and elder, but he also gives clear direction as to what that is to look like. To begin with, in our text there in, in 2 Timothy, I'll just read it for you because we're going to be looking at a few other passages here. But in 2 Timothy, it says in verse two fifteen, rightly dividing the word of truth. So he calls us towards that. He calls us to rightly divide the word of truth rightly divided there's times where um well just know like as we prepare sermons here at the church whatever pastor it is serving a youth ministry or or whatever position is where there's teaching that takes place um the greatest goal is what does the text say Like, what does this text say to be faithful to the text what does the text say um I don't, I don't ever approach a sermon and, and, and um, spend the majority of my time thinking of cool illustrations. I, I don't. I, I don't spend my time thinking of funny jokes. The majority of my time is spent with what does it say? What does this text say? How does it apply to me personally first? And then how does it apply to our congregation? But when you think of... of, of This position of ordination towards pastor, I don't want to be ashamed. I don't I don't want to be ashamed at the calling in which God's called me to. And Scott and the other elders don't want to be ashamed of the calling in which God's called them to. And part of that means we rightly divide the word of truth. There's times where I will study five, six, seven positions on this text and just be like oh my goodness there 's so many sharp guys that have so many different views on this particular text and what it means and when if I come to a place of i don 't know I mean it could be any one of these three um, i'll i 'll pass over that text quickly because i don 't want to get it wrong i 'm not going to just pick one of them i 'm going to look and either either I, I know it and I say it or we'll we 'll read over the text and pray the Lord works in your heart because I, I want to rightly divide God's word. It it matters. It matters to all of us. Um, You see, in 1 Timothy, if you want to turn there, you can, to chapter 4, since you're in 1 Timothy already, in chapter 4, verse 11, you hear Paul saying to Timothy, these things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth. But be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and purity till I come. Give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that, that, the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be made evident to all. Radical. Paul saying to pastors, okay, these things that are written here, teach them. Let no one despise your, your youth. Um, we had a family leave our church several years ago. And when I asked, like, why are you leaving? And the, the husband just said, like, you're too young to teach us. I I want someone older. and And I was like... Okay, I mean, I'm, all I'm thinking is let no one despise your youth. Like, okay. Um, I saw that same family at um, at a restaurant not that long ago. And they said, we're thinking about coming back. And um, the wife had sent me a message. thinking about coming back. So I thought your husband said that I was too young. And she said, he doesn't feel that way anymore. It's like, oh, okay, I've gotten old. Um, but um, he says, You're old enough now. But let no one despise your youth. Be an example in word, conduct, love, spirit, faith, and purity till I come. But notice give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Give attention to it. There there is a reason why we spend time in God's word. There's a reason why we stand up and we read it together. There's a reason why we go verse by verse and we look through it and we go through the entirety of a book. There's a reason why we do it. There's a reason why we talk about doctrine. There's a reason why we dive into doctrine because these things are precious to us. If we never talk about sin, you will love God so much less than if we had I mean, if we don't talk about your depravity and the fact that, that there's nothing that you could do to earn God's favor and the way that God sees your sin, and what it, when you understand that, the cross means something radically different for you as far as Him taking my sin upon Himself. The wrath of God that once was to be placed upon me as far as eternity and, and hell that being removed from me and placed upon Christ on the cross and me having an inheritance now that's in heaven that where I get to be his child and his bride and I belong to him and I enter into the joy of the Lord, that contrast makes us adore him. Doctrine matters. Doctrine matters. When we go through and we study doctrine, it matters. When we look and we search and we go through scripture and we say, this is what God says. This is what God says as far as who he is and who you are. It matters. This is how it is that you are to be saved. And this is how we are saved by faith alone and the work of Christ upon the cross. All of it is so vital to us that we get the gospel right, that you understand your God that you understand his sovereignty, that you understand his power, it will make it so that you have a peace that nobody else has and you worship in a way that the person who is unlearned in doctrine is unable to do. We need it. Give attention to it. He says, give attention to it. Give yourself entirely to it. And that's what we're to do. If you go to 2 Timothy, to chapter 1, you'll see... Again, this emphasis on rightly dividing God's word. In Second Timothy 1.13, it says, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you've heard from me. Um, hold fast the pattern of sound words in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Holy Spirit's given you the word. Hold fast to these things. In chapter 3 and verse 14, it says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. It's the Holy Scriptures. This is what it is that we're to proclaim, is the Holy Scriptures. I I find it to be a sad thing in churches today where people, um, they they don't have this in front of them. Um, They're not going through this word by word. It's not preached. It's not looked at. You're not hearing pages rustling and going through and, 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 and studying it. We're to keep these things. From childhood, knowing the Holy Scriptures. In verse 16 there of 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's a sufficiency that's in Scripture where it makes us complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is Inspired by God, literally breathed out by God, although it's been written by over 40 different authors, it is the exact words that God wants to give to you. Perfect, without error. Exactly the message that God would have for you. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that you might be complete we go through and in search for what does God say it gives us the answer to everything the principles that are there guide us he speaks to us through his word he teaches us through his word and this is the source of all that we are to proclaim in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 he says to Timothy which we would say to Pastor Scott as well as to the elders who are here I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Now, just think of the way that God inspires that to be written. I charge you. This is a mandate. I'm charging you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead. This is to make it so that when we sit there and we get ready to come up here that there is a certain amount of quaking that takes place as far as we are coming to preach the word. We are coming to teach God's word here. It says here, I charge you, preach the word. Hear those words. Preach, preach the word. Preach the word. There is a reason why we have a pulpit. There's a reason why I'm not showing you movie clips that are funny and then talking about that. There's a reason why you have Bibles here and if you didn't bring them, they're under the pews. There's a reason why we go through and we read texts. Reasons like this. I charge you, preach the word. There's a reason why you sitting through a service know more about God and what he says in his word than you do about my family or about me. My family's awesome. But that's not what I'm called to tell you about. We'll get dinner, I'll tell you about them. Every once in a while I might say something. But that's not what I'm charged towards, and that's not what Scott's charged towards, and that's not what our elders are charged towards. We are charged to preach the word. Preach it. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers, and they'll turn their ears away from the truth, and they'll be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all these things. Endure inflictions, Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. What a calling that God's placed upon pastors, isn't it? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Preach it. Minister it. Teach it convince, rebuke, exhort with long-suffering, with patience and with teaching. Go through and just spend time in God's Word. Because there's going to come a time where people say, I don't want that. I don't want that. I want you to tell me that I'm going to be healthy and I want you to tell me that I'm going to be wealthy and I want you to tell me that I'm going to have prosperity. Tell me that. Tell me that God wants all of us to have Rolls Royces. Tell us that because I like that. I like that. Tell me to name and claim the tell me to name and claim whatever it is and make it so that I'm in charge make it so it's about me make it so that I get to demand my genie who art in heaven to do this for me and he better do it and you know make it so that I get to be the boss make it so it's about me and they're going to be having itching ears to say do this and God says They've turned their ears away from the truth. Say that there's no such thing as hell, some people say. You have churches in this community where they will not, they don't believe in hell and they call themselves evangelical churches. Or they believe that you go to hell and you just cease to exist but there's no such thing as being there for all eternity. Um, You have people say, don't, don't sing songs like Amazing Grace because it says that saved a wretch like me. That People don't like the word wretch. They don't want to think it just destroys people's self-esteem. They want to feel good about themselves. They don't want to ever be called a wretch. You know, I'm not that bad. I'm pretty good life. I've lived a good life. You know, like they want to be built up. They want to be encouraged. No, you're a bunch of wretches. You're a bunch of sinners. You're in desperate need of grace, and that's where you go to. You go to the cross, and you find Grace. Preach the word. It doesn't matter what people want to hear. We want to know what does God say. What does God say? Preach it. I charge you, Timothy says, or Paul says to Timothy. And then it says in in chapter 2, verse 1, where it says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from among many witnesses. Commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And this is part of what's taking place today. And it's part of what takes place as other elders are raised up and ministry leaders are raised up. Part of it is to be at a place where we are raising up faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Um. there is a horrible thing that has happened in the evangelical church in the last, in our lifetime, in our lifetime. The horrible thing that has happened is there was this dumbing down of making it so that that doctrine wasn't preached, the word wasn't preached, it was entertainment oriented, everybody was about let's entertain them, let's keep them engaged. They can only handle just like 10 minutes or 15 minutes and let's do everything else to just make it so they want to be there. Let's fill in the pews, but let's not... No one wants a pulpit and Bible study and going through and studying. No one wants that. And so you had this emergence of just this, what do people want? Let's give them what they want. And now as a result of that, you have churches that are just doctrinally just horrific where truth doesn't even matter. Why does truth even matter? Why does it matter? Why can't we all just get along? And that's the result of let's give people exactly what they want and get away from God's word. Let's entertain them. The result is churches that are just doctrining a place where they don't know that that homosexuality is wrong. They don't know. They don't know that abortion is, is something that is horrific. They don't know as far as the gospel. They don't have clarity as far as salvation by faith alone because nobody wanted doctrine. And so there's churches that have emerged where it's just... So far from what God would call us in the scripture and part of what our charge is to Scott as one of the elders of a church as well as to all of us here is to raise up faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We want pillars, pillars that will be in the church forever till the Lord returns that will pass that down on to their kids that will pass that down into the children's ministry, that will pass that down to people who get saved and come and we raise them up and we encourage them to be faithful, faithful teachers of God's word. Um, we've also been called to not be ashamed of the gospel. We've been called to suffer if necessary. 2 Timothy 1.8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Be willing to suffer and there will come a time um, if things continue in the trend in which we are going in which even here in this country I believe that pastors will need to suffer for the sake of the gospel and for truth. May God ordain Scott as well as any other minister who comes out of our church to be willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. And we're called by the Lord to serve as examples of godliness. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee youthful lusts, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In 2 Timothy 2.24, it says, Serving the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they might know the truth. And then again in 2 Timothy 3.10, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, and what happened to me in Antioch, and Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. You followed my life. You followed what God had called us to. And we are called towards holiness, towards godliness. It's a great calling in which God had placed upon Timothy as he is writing these letters, and it's heavy. It's not like God has left us without knowledge of what is to take place when someone goes into the pastor and when someone's been ordained to be a minister of the gospel. We've been called to preach the word. We've been called to endure afflictions. We've been called towards holiness. Um, as elders within the church, we have examined the life of Scott, and although he is not perfect by any means, we believe that God has called him towards the ministry. Um, And it's with that that I'd like to welcome him to share with
1: you. I think you know me well enough to know by now I can't stand up here and not give you at least a little three-point sermonette. In all honesty, Pastor Kevin just asked me to spend a few minutes just kind of talking about the significance of this and and the significance of this church, and that's something I take very seriously. So if you would bear with me, I just wanted to spend a, a few minutes to do just that. Uh, although we're, uh, we're taking time out this morning to uh, kind of talk about my appointment as an elder, it's important that you know that the way that I'm thinking about this is, this really doesn't have anything to do with me, and has everything to do with Christ and you as church. And this is what I mean when I say that. As we look around the world today, there are certainly a lot of really significant things taking place right now on on a global scale, things that are more than likely going to impact the future of this world, things that more than likely will impact our individual lives. That's certainly important, significant things. I do not mean to minimize any of that at all, but in God's economy, of infinitely greater significance and importance, believe it or not, is what we are doing right now in this local church body, tucked away in this beautiful neighborhood in South County, uh, South Orange County, this little, seemingly insignificant church. What we're doing right now is full of infinite significance. And the reason why I say that is because when Christ completed his earthly ministry and he was bodily resurrected, he promised us that he would return. Except that when he returns, his revelation amongst other books details, he said that he will return as the conquering king to set up his kingdom that he will bodily rule from as king of eternity forever. Okay, so what does that have to do with the local church and what we're doing right now being so significant? Well, what it has to do with is between Christ's first and second comings, he established his church, said the gates of hell would not prevail against it, And he established it as the primary vehicle through which his work would be accomplished. Which is why what's taking place right now is of incredible importance. It's of infinite importance because first, what we're doing right now is a subversive war. 2 Corinthians 4.4 refers to Satan as the God of this world who has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, making them sons of disobedience, children of wrath. Following the fall, people turn from Christ. Satan blinds them, their slaves, to sin and self and open hostile rebellion to the creator of the universe. But the incarnated Christ broke into this this time-space continuum that he created, that he sustains to set captives free, to conquer sin and death for all who are his. And as I just said, before he returns to consummate his kingdom, he established his church full of his redeemed, united in Christ, to be a slice, a picture of his coming kingdom. Of course, we're not perfect. No church is. And it may not be flashy, and it may not receive a whole lot of media attention. But the world is to see a slice of the coming kingdom, when Christ redeemed, gather together to sing praises to God, to proclaim and preach His eternal truth, to pray together, to take communion together, to baptize believers, to love and care for one another physically and spiritually as saints live together in fellowship in Christ. That's war. <clears throat> it's war. It's a war of judgment because it reminds the world that the coming king of the universe will bodily return and establish his kingdom, destroying Satan and the world that stands against him. And it's a war of love and grace, the love and grace of God as we implore people in truth and love to be reconciled to God through Christ in anticipation of the returning conquering king. Second, the local church is of insignificant, uh, of eternal significance because, as Mark Dever says, not only is it a slice of the coming kingdom, but it is also the gospel made visible. While we are, are called to faithfully proclaim the, the gospel audibly with words to the world, we also make the gospel visible by living together in Christian fellowship in local congregations, as I just described. And third, it's primarily through the local church that Christ sanctifies his future kings and queens to rule the world. Tell me, that's not the craziest thing you've heard all week. It sounds a little crazy, but it's true. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul is admonishing the Christian believers for suing each other in secular court, and he says, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? A similar thing is is mentioned in Revelation 2.26. To those who remain in Christ to the end, Christ says to him, I will give authority over the nations. Just like the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 says, if we're faithful in small things in this life, we'll be put over great things in eternity. So in many ways, we could say this life is a preparation. It's, a, it's an internship for our future reign with and in Christ. Christ is shaping us for that right now. And of course, that extends to our whole lives. But again, primarily, that takes place within the context of the local church body. So you can see why this is of infinite, infinite significance. Serving your country as president is a great thing but serving Christ and his eternal kingdom, is of infinite significance. And that's why this is overwhelming for me, and that's why I say ultimately this isn't really a whole lot about me, it's about Christ working through me, and it's about you and Christ working through you. Because as I'm being called, recognized as an elder, the last point... Kevin said is one of the most overwhelming for me. I, I'm being called to be an example, to live as an example, to not only stand firm in the truth, to, to shepherd the body in the truth, to preach the truth, but to live that truth. That's an overwhelming responsibility. But even more so, when I look out at many of you, and I look at you guys and say, you guys are the guys that I want to be like. Guys like George Gala, who just runs himself ragged, joyfully, praying for the body, doing house and hospital visits, and just a whole host of other little things throughout the week just to bless people. Guys like Pastor Don Smith, who not only is just an amazing gift to this body with his teaching, but he truly is an example of what I just said, an example of how to live the gospel. Not retiring to golf, but retiring to be used in even more significant ways for the kingdom in his 70s is flying to gnarly places and proclaiming the gospel and arming pastors to proclaim the gospel. Guys like Trevor Wright, who I'm a few years older than, but look up to in a lot of ways when I I see him just love and care for. Guys like Mario and John, I just look at that and think, I have to be honest, that looks a, a whole lot more like Jesus than anything I think I've ever done in my life. Or Trevor and, and Oscar and the other young adult leaders who's faithfully teaching and leading. And same thing with, with the youth leaders and the youth and the young adults themselves just coming every week because they just want more of Christ. And Alex and the others setting up the coffee every week, which is by far the most important ministry in this entire church. <laughs> The Guastafaros and Angela Shea and the multitude of volunteers in the children's ministry. Ronnie Dolly serving in pretty much any way possible, it seems, is at the drop of a hat. All those up here every week using their musical, musical gifts. The, the guys back doing the sound every week. The his the Hands ladies just blessing so many people, including my family in particular. Rebecca Milligan serving in the women's ministry and playing piano almost every week. Mario Cordero just tirelessly serving in every way he can, usually without being asked. Just see something needs to be done and he does it. And just personal things. Guys like Chris Cordova just randomly calling me in the middle of the week just to talk about Christ in the middle of the workday. And so many others of you, I, I'm sorry, please forgive me for not mentioning you. And honestly, there's a whole bunch of others of you that I have no idea what you're doing. But God does, and it pleases him. So I look at you, and, and I'm inspired. Your example is to me, and I I thank you for that. Thank you for being such a, a wonderful church. I've stood at this pulpit many times and just talked about how much I I love this church. What a, an amazing answer to prayer this church has been in so many ways for me and my family. And I'm not up here to do the, the church politics thing and just kind of pretend that we're the perfect church and everything's just going swell. This church isn't perfect. It's not perfect because I'm here and it's not perfect because you're here. It's never going to be perfect. And there's a whole lot of, of things that probably need to be done, and they're being worked on, and I have a feeling that will always be the case. But, but where it ultimately really, really matters theologically and biblically, this church is incredibly healthy, and it is filled with people who love Christ and his word, who just want to serve him. And i got to tell you, it is being led by an amazing group of men that God has truly blessed this church with. This is not my first rodeo. I've I've served on a couple elder boards previous to this, but I have never had an experience anything close to what it is sitting in a room with those men. I I honestly feel like if we had any one of them, we would be stoked, and we have all of them, which is awesome. To be counted among them is, is truly humbling, and to be counted among you as a member of Reverend's Bible Church is wonderful. You know, Pastor Kevin said to me once, you know, Scott, the question of serving as elder, it's, it's not just if you're called to do that, but it's if you're called to do that here at Reverence, and, and we think you are. And, and that stuck with me. It's so significant to me. It's an indescribable privilege to serve as an elder, but even more so to serve as an elder here at this church that I love so much at this time. And although I, I do believe that I'm called and gifted in this way to serve in this way, I am under no illusions of who I am. I often ask, some of you have heard me say this, I often ask, I literally say this to God, why do you use an idiot like me? I don't get it. And then I remember the answer. It's So there's no confusion as to who gets the glory. So praise God he uses idiots like me for his glory. But please pray for me, pray for my family, pray for the other elders and their families. Know that we pray for you continually. And lastly, I just want to leave you with this remember that this position of elder is both incredibly significant and incredibly insignificant all at the same time. It, it's significant because I'm being called as an under-shepherd to the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, to oversee his blood church, and I'm going to have to answer for everything I do in that position, and just saying that out loud gives me the heebie-jeebies. That is a huge responsibility. And at the same time, It's insignificant because I'm just one more part of Christ's body using my gift for his glory, just as you guys are. So let's all continue to faithfully serve one another in him, declaring and living the gospel and the coming kingdom as we eagerly anticipate our king's return. I thank you for allowing me this immense privilege of serving you in Christ. I, I deeply love you. I deeply love this church, and I love our Lord and Savior. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we're so thankful that we get to gather your blood-bought saints, and we just want to take everything that's happening this morning and redirect it to you so that you get all the glory. I pray that we would just be a people that are so overwhelmed by the grace that we have received and we continue to receive in you that it, it just... It pours out of us as we just live gospel visible lives. We proclaim it and live it. We love one another and we proclaim your truth to the world. We just pray that you would continue to use this church in profound ways for your kingdom. That we would never grow tired of the truth of the gospel and its ongoing work in our lives. We praise you, our king. We cannot wait until you come to get us. Amen. Pastor
0: Emeritus Don Smith Um, Pastor Don has been Pastor for over 40 years And I've asked him to lead us in praying For Pastor Scott this morning So let's pray together
2: This is quite a Quite a group And it's been my joy to be able to work with These men And those that they represent Um, Scott said something Very significant That this was a significant day because it affirms God's calling and God's eternal purpose for Scott and our church. So it is an important day and we gather together to affirm God's work here at the church through the leadership of this church. So I'd like to ask you to join me in prayer. I'll try to pray slowly So that as I pray, you can say, amen, I want that too. Yeah. Oh yes, and make sure you do that for Scott. Because we are laying hands upon him, signifying that we identify with him, we identify with God's purpose, and we're asking for God's blessing to rest upon him as he ministers to us. So please join me in prayer. Our Father, we stand before you and your church. To confirm your divine calling on Scott Wilson. We believe he is prepared, he's progressed, that he's ready, and he's qualified to serve as a pastor elder of Reverence Bible Church. May he be strong in your grace when he is weak. May he be a faithful disciple maker. May he endure the rigors and the hardships of ministry. May he discipline his life priorities, biblical priorities, especially in loving and caring and managing his home. May you bless his wife, encourage her, protect her. We pray, Father, as well that Scott may see much good fruit through the work of your spirit in him and through him. May Scott find wisdom and understanding from you above all else. May he present himself approved before you and others as your called servant. May he consistently, rightly, and continue to rightly divide the word of your truth. May Scott and his family find contentment and joy in leadership of the church. May you help him to stand strong in Christ Against the currents of culture, compromise, and the spiritual forces of darkness. Father, we pray that Scott may preach Christ above all, throughout all of the Bible to his people. So we ask now that you will bless him and that you will use him for your glory. And all of God's people affirmed. Amen.